Catherine Rudder, and this is Life in the Fast Chain. I'm in the studio with Megan Paytas. I've been trying to get you on the podcast uh, since it started. Really? Really? Because yeah. this feels like my first invite, but <laughs> which I gladly I accepted. about it. No, because, you know, you we have some, it. like, complainers mm-hmm. here, like Todd, for example, <laughs> um, who wants to be on the podcast, wants to be the star of the podcast all the time. And so we didn't, I haven't been able to make room for the, the unsung heroes. The unsung heroes. That's a good way to put three. So thank you for joining. Thank you thank for, you for very last minute. In uh, your lovely studio. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a little hot in here right now, but. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, happy to be here. Setup. Happy to be here. Happy to uh, be chatting about Corticon. Corticon. So we just sent out the save the date for Corticon. What does that look like this year? Because it's been quite a journey from the start, but also last year having to do a completely virtual. Um, what does that look like? Yeah. This so year? this year, super excited to be back in London. Um, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's our first hybrid Corticon. Woo! So it's going to be September 28th through the 30th. Okay. One day of in-person content in London. Great content. And as always, we're really excited to get a good lineup of speakers. Um, so in-person in London on the Tuesday, followed by Erica's, as always, knock-out-of-the-park cocktail party. Woohoo! Uh, followed by two days of virtual content. So for anybody that can't be in-person in London, uh, very excited to be still able to connect and reach that audience. Yeah. So what led us to doing virtual like a hybrid event yeah because i it could have probably been maybe less <laughs> hectic and stressful if we just definitely, virtual. definitely less hectic <laughs> as the the manager who plans i also <laughs> didn't even say what you do here at r3 but um event manager specifically with corticon right now yes so what led us to hybrid yeah so i guess last year was a a uh curveball definitely a curveball <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it um so we needed to obviously adapt not being able to be in person and which was sad not being able to see each yeah. other face to face but it did have some benefits obviously not everybody can make it in person so having the virtual content that can reach such a large audience we found a lot of value in so yeah. i don't think we'll ever move away from yeah. a having some element of uh, virtual or live stream content for those people that can't uh, physically be with us. Yeah. But we always love the in-person element as well. It's fun. It's so much fun it's to like see everybody. It's like away from the cocktail party, even though obviously that's fun. <laughs> um, but it is fun. Like the energy. And that's, I, I don't think we were really lacking energy last year. I think we did a good job having to like, uh, I say we, you. <laughs> I just showed up. Um, oh, this uh, is happening today. Yeah. Like, oh, wait. Oh, and I'm doing a daily I'm rewind. I'm doing daily rewinds. Okay, cool. Live a million Great. sessions. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. We didn't lack energy last year, but yeah. it's definitely nice to be in. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It'll be nice to be in person for those of us who can travel. Um and even being together for the virtual days, too, um, yeah. as like our three company, I think our London office is obviously beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be like it'll be a really fun week. It's always really fun. 
and always really exhausting. Always exhausting. I, as much as I am very excited for it, I was, it's a lot less running around managing virtual content. Yeah. Yeah. And the physical content for any, thinking back on past quarter cons, I am always running around like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. probably look like a psycho. Me too. But I'm glad that everybody else enjoys themselves. I know. I know. <laughs> like Me you guys too. are having fun. They're like, Good. who's the loud blonde American girl who's running around <laughs> taking our pictures? Like, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it is fun. Who's the uh, smaller brunette that's bossing people around? <laughs> that would be me. Bossing everyone around. No, it'll be really, really cool. And also a benefit to the virtual side of things, too, is that obviously every single year our Corticons are growing. But last year we had so many registrations. Yeah. So obviously we're expecting that to continue to ramp up within uh, the next few years. But it was really cool seeing how many people were actually interested in the yeah. content. Yeah, which is really nice, too, to also be able to look back at content if you missed a session. Yeah. Being able to rewatch it and uh, really get that information is is great. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. I know. Me too. I'm I'm I'm. 98% excited, 2%, <laughs> 2% nervous, nervous. or, or 98% nervous, 2% no, excited. I don't no. know. It'll be great. It's always such a fun event. So anyone listening who is not, we haven't set up registration yet. That'll come up soon, but keep an eye open for that because it's so much fun. And I'm not even just saying that as like an R3 person. I mean, obviously I am, <laughs> but I think we hear feedback from people who show up constantly we obviously like taken like yeah. the all sorts of feedback, but it's all pretty positive about the conference and the content. And yeah. and there's so many f- familiar faces. I think from from the time that we started yeah. having Quarticon, there's so many familiar faces that have continued to come back year after year, yeah. which I think speaks a lot to the event itself. Yeah, um, that. That retention is good. <laughs> Yo, you throw a killer event. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I know. So look out for a registration. Definitely sign up. Thank you, Megan, for joining me in the studio thank today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Woo! We look forward to seeing everybody at Corticon. Yeah, everyone, if you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming that you are going. <laughs> so <laughs> see you there. <laughs> with developer evangelist David Awad. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Did I say your last name right? I think that's fine. Woo. Okay. Fi- I will accept fine. I want to make sure. I- Perfect is like the goal, but I will accept fine in this situation. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for joining me. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. All right. Let's see. Uh, I am exactly 27.025281 years old. Oh. Born on June 17th, 1994, roughly 8 p.m. Fun fact, used to think it was 6 p.m. I got my birth certificate, a new copy of my birth certificate. It turns out it was 8. That was a big, that was a big life changer. Wow. Yeah. How are you feeling mentally after finding out this groundbreaking? Yes. Well, you know, I probably would have stuck with musical theater in college. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a trip. I have to say, I have absolutely no time. I was like, no idea what time I was born. I know it was in the morning, mm. but morning could mean a lot of things. It's kind of like when people say, like, I'm a summer. Like, what yeah. is that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got that down. Thank goodness. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, important for the people to know. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, I agree. We're very <laughs> close in age also, so I can 
I'm yeah. going to use that moving forward. So here's the, I'll give you the actual story, okay. I suppose. So uh, I grew up uh, getting into a bunch of fights at the elementary school by my house. And as time went on, I was skipping class, not a great student. I ended up in high school uh, while skipping my English class. Turned out I needed extra credit, unsurprisingly. My English teacher offered for me to join the musical. Uh, somehow there were just not a lot of guys in the musical at the time, so I volunteered because I was doing soccer, so I was like, I can dance, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I was not a good dancer, but I joined and I learned a lot. That's a completely different skill set. So I'm doing this for a little while. Uh, I'm skipping class later that year, and I end up in the choir room. And the choir teacher's like, can you sing? And I thought, well, I'm in the musical, so sure. So then okay. I joined the choir the next year, and okay. I did musical theater, choral music, and uh, improv comedy for the rest of high school. Okay. I started college for musical theater, and then ended up switching to a double in computer science and physics. Yeah, that's an interesting journey. So how... Well, we do that in the startup world. That's true. I'm told. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Exactly. But, okay, so then what made you want to want to go into that rather than the path you were headed? Ironically, philosophy. So my, okay. my biggest regret in life so far is that I did not triple major in philosophy in oh, college. Because wow. uh, the thinking, if I had known from the beginning that was what I wanted to do, I would have done all three, but I just didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So There's also, like, only so much you can do. Mm. Well, college. yeah. That's the... That's, that's, you can always go back. The great struggle of my life will be one of balance between contentment and ambition. Okay. To be sure. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I switched to the Dublin Computer Science and Physics. I started going to a lot of hackathons and just building stuff that seems fun. Yeah. And that ends up, you know, when you when you go to a lot of these, you end up with a really fun skill set of being really technical, building a lot of different kinds of things, right? Like, I've built remote-controlled cars that are controlled by email. Wow. And I've also built, like... <laughs> I've also built distributor web services, so it's all over the place. Yeah, And yeah. that kind of skill set is good because it ends up making you a really good communicator, and that's exactly what you need to be, yeah. a technical person who's good at communicating and can crack a joke, but you know, can be useful to developers who are trying to build something. Yeah, I think that's super important, too, just because it's easy to kind of, I don't know, and I'm not a developer, so me saying this is just <laughs> completely outrageous, but... I feel like it would be easier as a developer. Obviously, engineers are extremely smart, um, and it could be easy to just hole up at, at home and not have to really communicate with others. So it's kind yeah. of it's, and I, I know with like DevRel de developer relations here, you kind of have to have both. Um, so what brought you to R three? Uh, well, R3 had an amazing recruiter named Daria <laughs> that reached out to me, uh, actually just reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, this seems like the right job for you. At the time, uh, I was just finishing my master's, so I was planning on, I was planning on switching roles and Daria just happened to find me at the right time. Nice. Because, uh, yeah, the short version of the journey in between college and now, uh, my first job was a Tumblr for about six months. Uh, I left to start a nonprofit, giving out my chickens and water to homeless people off the hood of my car in New Brunswick. I remember hearing about that when you first joined. Yeah. A couple months go by, it turns out nonprofit is a literal term, and so I had to get a job. <laughs> so I do that. Uh, I, I left, and I started, there was a private equity firm that had just acquired a telecom company okay. in Somerset. So I was brought on to sort of help that company get acquired a couple years down the road. Fortunately, that did all end up happening. So I took this job. I worked there and did my master's and worked on the nonprofit for the next like two and a half years or so. Mm -hmm. Come the end of 2019, I end up helping out in the master's program at Georgia Tech, 
teaching grad cybersecurity, and now I get to do blockchain software. So it's a very good bit of constructive interference. Yeah. With that. So that's basically how I ended up here. It's not super surprising. I know I'm a little all over the map, but no, it's good. It's, it's a cool. It's a cool place because it's blockchain is one of those weird industries that's at the both at the forefront and also drastically changing the way we're going to think about not just digital assets, but the way, like, my big contention is that humanity is in a race between technology and politics, and politics yeah. thinks it's winning, and it's not. Yeah, So that's interesting. That's sort of philosophically why I thought this kind of stuff was really interesting. Yeah. And Corda is, like, the ideal blockchain, philosophically speaking, for where we are at in that journey as Humanity, I guess. Oh, say. bold! I like it. It is bold. Yeah, <laughs> I could quantify that, but you have to. You have to actually have like a bold vision of what you think this yeah. is going to do to yeah. be a part of to work on this kind of a thing. But, yeah, because everyone on the other side of this, uh, pardon my ramble for a moment here. Right, hey, go for it. So there's there's kind of two ways to think about this blockchain thing. You can think of it the purely techno libertarian way, which is uh, we are going to build an entire decentralized digital infrastructure that is entirely removed from the control and influence of any individual. Mm -hmm. We trust the protocol, not each other. Mm -hmm. And this, this lends itself to anonymity, privacy, but we give up scalability. And so the question is, if you don't need anonymity, can you get scalability mm -hmm. in exchange? Right? Like, it's not always going to make sense, let's say, to publish everybody's financial details out to all of the world, right? So there are instances, mainly in highly regulated industries, where you're still going to have people that do not necessarily, quote unquote, trust each other, yeah. that can, in fact, work together in a way that's really constructive, but that wouldn't work in instances, let's say, on like Ethereum. Yeah. Or something like that, where they have to solve this Oracle problem. They have to rely on the fact that their off-chain information can get on chain in a way that's believable yeah. that they trust so it's a really interesting opportunity to have something like this mm -hmm. to solve that to solve that problem to bridge the gap as industries move to the blockchain more of them are going to reach for something like this yeah. and the hope if you are that if you are on the other side of that fence philosophically and you want the purely decentralized trustless system the best case outcome for you is that this is a stepping stone yeah. towards that yeah um i think i was talking to Jamil, who wrote Mastering Corda, and yep. his he had the best way to refer to this, which is his thinking is that public and private blockchains, that distinction is just going to start to blur. Yeah. It's, it's going to get interesting for a while. That is interesting. I haven't really heard that. Yeah, because when you think about it, there is an entirely private, decentralized ecosystem. I can go, I can make bets, I can play poker, I can do all these things, and now there's this whole set of regulations that existed at the political level that just mean nothing for this part of industry if you're a sophisticated yeah. actor. Yeah. But then for the rest of us that do want to participate inside of the regulated world, we have to find a way to play nice while still being able to use blockchain because we still want the benefits of not necessarily trusting each other. You can have automated enforcement, automated yeah. recall on certain kinds of contracts. If I have a loan, for example, in the DeFi world, if I have a loan, I want to borrow 2000 from you, I actually put up 4000 in the form of another currency, then because the prices are volatile, if if I if the thing I gave you that's worth four thousand goes down in value, you only gave me two. So if my thing tanks to two, you'll liquidate automatically. You'll yeah. sell and you're good. So this over collateralized infrastructure is really different than the fractional reserve one that it is sort of competing with. 
but we live in that fractional reserve infrastructure and we can do a whole lot more. There's a whole lot of really nice things with automated enforcement that are really cool. Yeah. I know I'm totally digressing. No, no, but, but it, but it yeah. is, it, it's interesting. And it also shows that you're passionate about what you do. So yes, that's why you're on the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm a developer evangelist. So. <laughs> I mean, you're, good you're living up to the name right now. Yeah. Um, so as a developer evangelist, you're on the developer relations team. Yes. How, what is, what does your team do? Um, yeah. Just tell me about it. Yeah, let's see. What does my team do? So uh, the thing, I think the best way to describe it is we sort of serve as the primary interface for developers who are using mm -hmm. R3 software to reach us. And we're the kind of the first point of contact for developers who are looking to build things, right? Yeah. So ideally, if you are contacting us, it's because you have a specific problem or a question you're looking to have solved or answered. And you think of us as someone that can actually be a useful tool for you to do that. So, for example, you're looking for very often people jump into one of the various channels, Slack, Stack Overflow, Groups.io, mm -hmm. et cetera, and they'll say, I'm looking for an example of X, or how should I design this app, or what are the limitations around X, Y, or Z problem that I have, and what's the best way to do it? And so we're all about that, and so I get to answer questions like that all the time. Yeah. So we're kind of the first line of defense for yeah. anyone using R3 products. Yeah. That's so a fun way to put it. That is a very good way to put it, and also... Um, you get to work, obviously, you're really involved with the developer community. How yep. is that community? So I talked a little earlier about how there's this, I, there's two separate worlds mm -hmm. that exist within, I guess you could say, the blockchain ethos. There's this DeFi ecosystem of people who are completely anonymous, completely separate. And then there's this ecosystem within a lot of well-regulated industries that don't benefit from anonymity. So they're willing to set up a blockchain of their own. Yeah. And so Corda can be really useful for that. The mo most of the de developers that end up reaching out to us are people who are looking to set up blockchains for industrial use cases or mm -hmm. commercial use cases, whatever that is. So this is international trade, finance, brokerages, people who benefit from being able to have immutable ledgers that can inspire more trust among their clients and customers. But... That results in developers who are a lot, a lot of institutional developers, a lot of people who are really serious about building product and maintaining like scalable infrastructure. Yeah. So we get uh, a lot of questions from people who are just trying to inject a blockchain to solve the core of a lot of their problems. That's cool. I haven't thought about that because that's mm. a good point too. Because you are probably also, and you guys run boot camps and stuff. How have boot camps been since uh, COVID? Uh, Are you guys doing some virtual ones? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's been, it, so it's kind of funny. So I interviewed in February of 2020 and then never came back, right? So, oh so gosh. right, like I was virtual the entire time. Yeah. And so when I started, previously we used to go to companies in different parts, different universities or companies in different parts of the world and just run the boot camps in person. Yeah. Probably the biggest thing that we've done since then is just, drastically cut down on the amount of time it really takes to teach someone the basic concepts. Yeah. We've really narrowed down how, or not narrowed down, but we've really focused on what's the right way to teach somebody these critical concepts. Yeah. In this case, that tends to be states, contracts, and flows. Yeah. Sometimes we'll talk about other things like oracles, for example, but yeah. we've like really found a good rhythm for focusing on how we can teach people these concepts in a way that 
in a way that feels useful that they can take and run with to go and actually build something that matters to them. Yeah, so. it's good that you guys have been able to kind of adapt to the more digital world and still be able to host boot camps and, and teach people because mm -hmm. obviously also with, and we're coming out of the back end of it, hopefully, yeah. um, but with um, lockdowns and Corona or COVID, I feel like saying Corona is like, is like not a thing anymore. Uh, I would not know. <laughs> I just feel like everyone at first, we were, everyone was always like, oh, coronavirus, coronavirus, da, da, da. And now it's like, it's evolved to COVID. Well, not evolved, like, but like more people are saying COVID rather than Corona, I think. There were a lot of memes about this. I felt weird this. saying Corona. <laughs> there oh. were a lot of memes about this at the beginning that like, you were a certain kind of... Uh, I'm so bad at internet culture. Um, uh, there was just all these memes about like, you were this person if you said COVID. Some yes. people stay, so like those people who used to say SARS-CoV-2, yeah, they're yeah, gone yeah. now. Oh, no one yeah. says that. You don't no want to be, that. you don't want to be the boomer saying SARS-CoV-2. No, I'm kidding. No, I know. So that's why I'm saying this. I felt that's weird freaky. saying Corona. But anyways, mm. the point that I was going to make yes. was that with all this time and people being at home, I'm sure it's a good opportunity for those to, to join the boot camps and like learn more about what we're doing also. Why, yes, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you see, this is a great time to learn about uh, Corda because, well, it's a couple things. We've uh, actually, we've, we've had a couple of really cool things happen. The first, like I said, we've kind of streamlined our content a lot. Yeah. We've also become a lot more regimented in how in the pace that we produce our content. Yeah. And we've just started reaching a lot more people, mm -hmm. right? Um, it was It's kind of intuitive to think about. And none of this is going to be unique to our virtual events. But just in general, if you're able to reach six people per event, for example, right? Like if you if you reached, let's say, I don't know, let's say you wanted to reach... 20 people at a particular conference or something like that. Maybe you could do that, but you'd have to travel all the way to that conference. You'd have to book a session. You'd have to pay to sponsor it. Then you'd have to pay for people to fly out there. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And we get a, we get much better, uh, we get much better return on investment when we do our stuff virtually. We're yeah. also able to target, target multiple regions a lot more freely. Yeah. So we right now, it's not, it's not just, me in, Amer in the Americas, it's me and someone else named Peter Lee. If you're listening to this, maybe you've interacted with the two of us. Mm -hmm. um, in Europe, it's Irina and now Oliver. In, in the APAC region, it's Ashutosh and Sneha. Yeah. And there's also now Divya, and there's a whole bunch of new people on our team. I think we have one of the biggest teams in R3, actually. Nice. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so how has the developer relations team evolved or changed since the launch of Conclave? Uh, it's a paradigm shift. So now yeah, it's... Yeah, it's got to be really different because it's always just been quarter, quarter, quarter. It really has been always quarter, quarter, quarter. <laughs> so uh, the, the big thing is a paradigm shift because now it's not just about... There's a bunch of new like use cases that you can think about when you, when you have Conclave in hand, right? Like the coolest one that I've heard of... Uh, <laughs> You can, like, if you use an Enclave, right, like, there's just different things that you can do. And it's it's a really cool synergy with what Corda does, mm -hmm. but they're very distinct, right? So yeah. if you have an Enclave, you can do things like, I can query a database, and if the database is running through an Enclave, I can query a database without the database knowing what I queried it for, yeah. right? Like, I can do what's called private machine learning. Have you ever heard of this? 
No. It's very well, cool. I know what machine learning is, but... Right, yeah. So private machine learning in the sense that, let's say, for example, we run a hospital system and okay. we want to train a machine learning model. And so let's say we want to train this machine learning model to look at images of a sternum x-ray to look for signs of lacerations or something. Okay. Now, this is going to be something that takes an image of a patient's sternum mm -hmm. and it's going to be a program that's going to like scan over it, right? Okay. Now, obviously, the first thing you're going to think is if I'm a hospital system, I only have my own set of patients because I have HIPAA requirements that prevent me from sharing my data set with you. Let's say you're another hospital system yeah. or somebody else. But with this enclave concept, now we can perform the data processing in an enclave that we do not actually have visibility into, mm -hmm. right? We can produce a machine learning model by running computation on the images but we never have visibility into the images themselves. We never have visibility yeah. into the patient data itself. So in some sense, we're not, vi we're not violating HIPAA by sharing this data for the purposes of training a model because we've never actually published it outside of the enclave. Interesting. Freaky, right? Yeah. There's, I mean, the possibilities are endless. That was a very good example, though. Yeah, it's um, a really cool one. Yeah. And there's also, obviously, there's the integrations between Corda and Conclave itself. The, the, I'm sure you've heard this, but the favorite one I've heard, the, uh, I cannot remember who it was. So instead of uh, putting out any particular people's names, <laughs> let's imagine that we run uh, a dark pool or we run a stock market of some kind. Mm -hmm. I run the market. And okay. so I sell to you and two other people. So the three of you use this market that I maintain. And one day you realize that I am adjusting the prices of the stocks that you give me by like one cent. Okay. But if you sell me a million shares, I've now made a whole bunch of money for functionally nothing. Okay. And so if you don't notice this, then you'll, you're losing out on money, but you're never going to find out because I run the, I run the market itself. Yeah. It's kind of like some of the things people have been getting angry about with some of these brokerage firms more recently yeah. of like, you know, there's a lot of these high frequency trading firms that scalp one cent all over the place. But in reality, they are taking money from people and it adds up over time. So if you have an enclave that you're running the brokerage software out of, mm -hmm. well, now I don't have to have any doubts. I can go and verify yeah. the quality of the software I'm about to go interact with ahead of time without yeah. ever having to, uh, without ever having to think about it. I don't have to have any fear that my market owner or is manipulating the transactions in any way. That is a big value add and yeah. it makes a huge difference. Yeah. So those are, those are really cool, especially if we're using Corda as the ledger that's distributed between all of us for the ownership of the shares. Yeah. Now the actual operation of the flows themselves can happen within Enclaves. So there that it is. Really I cool. was like, how are we connecting yeah. Conclave and Corda? Yep. There it is. Yeah, it all comes full circle. <laughs> all right? comes together. Or full together. ledger. That's a good... <laughs> yeah. That's I'll see myself really out. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the studio. No, um, but that's also another good example for kind of like visualizing how these these two platforms could work together. Yeah. It's fun. It'll, yeah. um, it's definitely going to be a game changer. We just don't know how many games. Yeah. That's the really interesting thing. Um, yeah. So what can we expect to see from the DevRel team in the coming months? So I have some notes here. Oh. Stealthily glance at. So this, uh, we have a couple of fun projects up our sleeve, but I can't talk about all of them. I understand. So I know it hurts. I have excited. It's, it's cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, the the good news is that um, 
we think pretty actively about how people are actually uh, how, like what people are, are giving us, what feedback and et cetera, whatever people are giving us that we can iterate on and work off of. We've been pretty active about focusing on that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, some good examples, at least more recently. I got a lot of questions at the beginning of this year, namely about uh, Docker and configuring Corda with Postgres. Mm -hmm. So I was able to put out samples on those two things. Another thing I got, cool. you can have open source service providers like Splunk who will come to us and say, hey, I want to integrate Corda with my log aggregator or maybe Prometheus or something like that. One really big thing that I was able to figure out, shout out to Jason Jacobs at Splunk who suffered greatly with me for this. Uh, <laughs> we were able to figure out uh, getting Corda to use JSON logging. Okay. So JSON is sort of like a really specific yeah, format yeah. for outputting logs. Yeah. This is really nice because now it's in a standard format that machines can read because logs are kind of just made to be lines of text for people to figure yeah. out why their stuff broke. Yeah. But if you can get that standardized into a, into a digital format that's easy for machines to read, you can get it in a much more powerful thing because now there's this trend of everyone building out these open source log aggregators. So it's almost like having a private Google just for your infrastructure yeah. where I can now go and be like, why did my cat server break? Yeah. And I can get like a detailed series of like, here were the cats, like it was that one tabby that just yeah. took down the <laughs> database. Makes things more efficient. Yeah, it's it's really efficient. But the nice thing, if you're like writing open source software and you want to integrate with Corda, now you can just take this sample that we that we were able to put together, just stick this log configuration file into your thing, and now you can create JSON formatted logs. It's oh, really cool. sweet. Yeah, it's, it doesn't take too long to do. It's really nice. I'm not an engineer, as I've said eight million times. My bad. However, <laughs> however, that sounds like a really cool thing that you've done. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I can't take all the credit. I mean, we do have a really awesome team, and so we've put out a lot of samples. It's not just me. Yeah. It's, of course, Irina, Peter, Ashtosh, all of us. So that's a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we're thinking a lot about quarter five, yep. which um, is going to be huge. So I think the big thing that me that I'm thinking about at least right now is uh, we have a lot of samples that have been written for core, all the way up until 4.8, mm -hmm. but Corda 5 is not going to be perfectly compatible with samples for 4.8. Yeah. And I think we've got like something like 30 samples. So oh, wow. we're probably going to have to go and like piecemeal figure out like which features carry over, what stuff do we not need anymore? Yeah. Because there's certain things Corda 5 is just going to do out of the box, which is going to be really nice. Yeah. I know, there's so much hype around Cordify. There is a lot of hype. Shout out to Cordicon. Anyone is yeah. interested in such an event? Yes, we had Megan on earlier, and she was talking, Megan Paytas, who is mm -hmm. the man event manager, um, because we did send out the save the dates, so uh, a lot. I'm sure we'll have a lot of DevRel sessions kind of discussing yep. all of this stuff at Cordicon. It'll be yeah. a really good event. This is also a thing I can't exactly talk about yet, but there is a thing around Kubernetes support with Corda okay. that uh, I will finally be able to do something about. I'm hoping to put together a Cordicon session. Cool. Um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but I'll I think it should be. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, too. Yes. So, obviously, it's revamping all the samples. There's uh, a lot of stuff around that and a lot of new code samples and just we're thinking really actively about how we can make a more structured process for people to get feedback yep. as well as escalation that's another big thing mm -hmm. so it's like not just listening actively but how can we give people better and clearer avenues for getting their questions answered especially if uh because it's not always obvious who the right person to go to is like yeah. there's a lot of these projects 
you can go and make a GitHub issue, and you can hope that the maintainer is active in response to it. But you can't always uh, you can't always be confident, especially if you're a developer that's active. Yeah. It's it's always nice to have something more specific or someone, in this case, you know, the DevRel team that yeah. you can reach out to yeah. to get that stuff answered. Uh, there's another really cool one, uh, CBDC. Yep. So Ooh, yeah, this is huge. Like. Um, Oh man, I could talk a lot about CBDCs because it's it's an interesting paradigm altogether. But the the long and short of it is that it's entirely possible for people and governments to build CBDCs using Corda. Mm -hmm. And so this is another thing that we're really excited about that we've been helping a couple of people with, and we get a lot of questions about it, which is really fun. Yeah, the CBDC working group here at R three has gotten so much like there's. It's gotten a lot of people's attention, mm -hmm. um, and I think they've done a really good job with what they've done since I think they've been working on it over a year. I know over a year. Um, so that team works really hard, and there's so much hype around it, but in a good way. Now, I don't think it's overhyped. Yeah. Some no, of the stuff I'm like, Neh, but... Yeah, it's... <laughs> not uh, what you're saying with other yeah. people. Like the, the crazy trolls on Twitter who are like, this is going to take over the world, and all that stuff. Take over the world. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, maybe we will. Well, Comic-Con becomes yeah. the biggest event in the world. <laughs> it's it's fun. I, I think it's just, it's hard to tell because we don't know what the landscape looks like in a year from now. Mm -hmm. it's, it, so, like, the, the one of the big game changers in the last year, I had made a bet with someone that the economics had suggested that a, a country around the world at some point this year would adopt, uh, would adopt Bitcoin as a currency. What? It turns out I was right. El Salvador picked it up in June, right? What? You didn't hear about this? No, I, I, I've heard about this, but I didn't... I don't think I really looked into it. Yeah, so El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as a, as a currency. Yeah. As of June this year. And this is just one example. Now, El Salvador is a pretty exciting country and a forward-thinking example of this. But they're certainly not going to be the only ones. And Bitcoin's yeah, not going Bitcoin. to be the right... Bitcoin's not going to be the right solution for everyone. CBDC is, uh, like, this is a huge step forward, both for the ecosystem, for CBDCs, and for Bitcoin. Well, for Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. Of course. But it's it's really interesting because they're going to be one of the first examples of how much more flexible banking can be. If you have a blockchain underpinning your banking system, yeah, it just becomes so much more flexible. For them, it makes sense. For a lot of the same reasons, it makes sense to use a CBDC, yeah. which is going to be like, why why should I have Western Union charging me fees? Let's say there's some percentage of a population that's unbanked. Let's yeah. say that the you could also be a smaller nation that's worried about getting kind of deplatformed. Yeah. And you could say, like, I'd rather just have a blockchain mediating my transactions instead yeah. of having to hope that X, Y, or Z bank is okay with a particular transaction I want to make. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I mean, obviously, I, with all the work that, that uh, we've done with CBDCs and stuff, I'm like gung-ho for CBDC. Yeah. But Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm definitely with you. Like, there's, uh, this is the key thing, just like with the fiat world, like with the fiat currencies, not mm -hmm. every, uh, not every solution is going to be right for every country anyway. Yeah, that's true. So it's. I don't uh, really know that much about El Salvador, so I'm not gonna yeah. act like I. I <laughs> yeah. I know best. But it's it's certainly interesting to see like how this is going to play out in the future because there's going to be a lot of markets that will benefit a lot from having uh, a CBDC alternative to just using cash or using their normal bank account something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Well, if anyone in the developer community or anything wants to uh, get in touch with you guys, how do they do so? What's the best way? The best way? Uh, a couple tools. You can always email devrel at r3.com. Yeah. You can also find us on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, as usual. You can find myself and the rest of my team on slack.quarter.net. We have a public Slack for anyone who can. Who I wants feel to like join. that if I were reaching out, I feel like I would do it on Slack personally. We, I get a lot of messages on Slack. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people love sending questions, so that's all fine with me. It's uh, whatever works. We're thinking, we're thinking actively about this too. Um, I, I can't say too much about it, but I think we're going to be getting. Uh, a couple of new options for people who want to reach out in more structured ways, which will be really cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, so anyone who's interested, you can email devrelr3.com. You can go on slack.quarter.net and find anyone on our team. Uh, if you're interested in quarter certification, you can, by all means, email education at r3.com. You can find yeah. out more about that. Mm -hmm. uh, Mastering Quarter is also out there. So yeah. a lot of really exciting things for people to find. So by all means, feel free to reach out. Yeah, I tell great jokes. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of good information out there. Obviously, I really dropped the ball on quarter certification because I wanted to do it just to you know just do it. And then I waited, and everyone was like, you know, quarter certification is getting it a lot harder. So if you're thinking about it, yeah. do it now. And I dropped the ball. No, I, I think it's still doable. I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. You're more I don't than know, capable. David. I don't know. You're more than capable. Anyone. <laughs> Anyone can get quarter certified. It's just a matter of putting in the work and a little bit of time. But I think it's doable. Yeah. It's a it's a good it's a good thing to experience. Certainly, if you've never learned, kind of if you've never learned the paradigms, I think those core concepts are really nice. Yeah. When you compare like the way that Corda as a blockchain is designed versus some of the other ones out there, it's nice because it'll just give you a more robust. Uh, I think anyway, it gives you a more robust understanding of all the options that are out there, and it makes you a better blockchain application designer. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a really fun, that's Highly a really fun rec. option. Highly recommended. Highly rec. Do we, do we ship quarter certification? Is that the term? Oh, we yeah, ship we it? ship it. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. thank you so much for joining me today. You're a great representative of the Del <laughs> DevRel team. Uh, actually, you all you all are. We have meetings with you guys. Yeah. Um, I, I should say a quick thank you, obviously, to everyone on the DevRel team. Thank you, Janine, yeah. Ashtosh, Peter, Arena, Tom, Brett. Kyle, Jenny, everyone. Love it. Yes. Love a good shout out. All right. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we sent out our save the dates for Corticon um, and we are opening up registration soon, so keep an eye out for that. Make sure to register. It's going to be an amazing event, whether you're um, at home or able to make it in person. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share with your friends and fam. Uh, stay safe, healthy, and happy. Bye.